Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Better Business, Better Life podcast. Terry DuPont is the founder of DuPont Advisory Group a group dedicated to providing comprehensive services to successful business owners, medical, and other professionals. Terry has top-of-the-table status in the prestigious International Million Dollar Roundtable, placing him among the top one-tenth of 1% of all professional financial advisors in the world. Terry's philosophy is, I've learned that I grow and prosper more by focusing on the success of others rather than fretting over my own. Terry is a certified financial professional with the Institute of Financial Wellness, an advisor for the power of zero taxes in retirement, chartered retirement plans specialist, certified wealth preservation planner, and certified philanthropic developer. On the podcast, Terry brings together experts in their field who have succeeded in building their business to share their secrets with you. And now, here's your host, Terry DuPont. Hey, welcome everyone to this week's episode of Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success. I'm Terry DuPont, your host, and today we're very privileged and honored to have Jody Grundon, CPA from Fort Wayne, Indiana, as our guest. Uh, Gar- or, uh, Jody, um, welcome. We're glad to have you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks yeah. for having me, Terry. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, jo- Jody is uh, a CPA, but he probably doesn't do what most CPAs do that you're aware of uh, is very unique and i'll let him i won't steal his thunder i'll let him share it all with you can you tell us a little bit about you and why you started your career yeah absolutely so um i'll give you the uh, i'll give you the, the long version you can cut me short anytime you'd like um but with uh with my career uh, my wife and i actually started our careers at the same time she's a an estate planning attorney and uh I was uh, opening up a CFO practice, or actually a CPA practice at the time. And uh, with that, you know, the journey before that, I worked in public accounting for a couple of large firms, decided, hey, that just wasn't really what I wanted to do. Too many hours, uh, not enough family time. And then so I thought the corporate world was a lot going to be a lot better for me. And it was it was a lot better in a lot of ways, but it was so boring. It was like, a you know, basically Groundhog Day over and over again. It's the same thing over and over. And it wasn't super exciting. And so here I've got an accounting degree, you know, what do I do? You know, did I make a bad mistake? And so I thought, you know what, let me, let the entrepreneur, you know, go out. And so I decided to um, open up an office for a, um, a, a smaller regional firm um, about a year into it. I realized, you know, Hey, that, you know, I really need to be my own boss. And so I uh, started some of the CPA group at that point. And so my wife left her, uh, her, her, her um, you know, law practice, started her own practice at the same time I started it. And so we, we kind of went on a limb, had a couple of kids and, uh, you know, with that, uh, the journey started, right? And so we, we uh, opened up uh, Summit as a traditional CPA firm, did tax work, write-up work, you know, the, just the regular stuff that you, know, you see CPAs doing. And it, right away, it was like, you know, this isn't me. Uh, it's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to really kind of help small businesses. I wanted to help them grow, help them be successful and just doing a tax return or, 
or doing a financial statement form periodically, we just wasn't in. So we thought, how can we actually change the model here uh, so that we could do that? And, and then also change the model so that we can hire and retain really great talent and not burn them out with, a, with the traditional tax season. So we started the concept up, which is called the virtual CFO services. Uh, we were the pioneers of, of virtual CFO services back, you know, 20 plus years ago. And um, we you know, really started providing that, that monthly counseling for, you know, business owners, you know, being with them, showing them a financial statement, you know, get, you know talking to them for about 15 minutes about it. And then, then, then taking it and showing, Hey, here's how this is going to impact the future. Here's what your next 12 months is going to look like your cash, your debt, your, your revenue, your expense, net income, here's what your taxes are going to look like. And, and so the, the business owners really had a really great insight throughout the entire year, what their cash position is going to look like, where they're going, all that kind of stuff that, really large companies have, you know, can afford, uh, can afford a lot of me, you know, type of thing where these small business owners, you know, it was giving them an opportunity to succeed, you know, because again, you know, we, we all know that, you know, as a great plumber doesn't mean that person's going to be a great, you know, business owner, you know, and, and with that, they don't, under, they may, they may or may not understand finance, how that works. And uh, with, uh, with one, with a person from our team on board, it really helped out. And so that was the concept we put in play back in 2000 and, and actually 2004, uh, a long time ago. So we've, we've done it for almost 20 years. And you know, since then, uh, it's been great. It was a slow go at first because nobody knew what virtual CFO meant, right? And so, you know, you hear the concept, what does that mean? Are you real? You know, it, you know, back then, the internet wasn't even going very strong. And so we were, we were trying to figure it out and the analogy of building that airplane while it's flying in the air to type of thing. And, and with that, um, you know, many, many bumps along the way, you know, a lot of times you just want to give up and you know, hang, hang your hat and try something different. But, you know, it was this perseverance that really kind of, folk, you know, forges us through that. We created a lot of different things that no one had ever done before. You know, the virtual CFO concept. We went to subscription-based billing model for services back in 2007. So we've been doing that for almost 16 years where we don't send invoices out to clients. We just simply zap their account every Monday. You know, we created a, which Monday is now my favorite day of the month or day of the week, you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, you know, with that, because we, We've grown, you know, tremendously. And so, you know, we, we went completely remote in 2013, you know, way before the pandemic. So our team has been fully remote. Uh, we've doubled our size every three years since 2010. And so if you kind of think through that, we started out bootstrap back in, you know, 02. And then uh, we uh, built it up to a little over $10 million last year in uh, reoccurring revenue. And uh, end up merging with a, a larger accounting firm, top 100 accounting firm out of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we are their virtual CFO arm. So we are providing virtual CFO services for their clients and the nation, you know, the, on a national basis as we were before. But we are their arm with the uh, goal going from 10 million uh, to 5xing that to go to 50 million over the next uh, three and a half years. So super exciting, um, really motivating. And, and so the journey went from bootstrapping to merging, you know, quasi, you know, selling the, the firm and then, uh, you know, really kind of working through and, and, and really dreams and goals that we were, uh, were hoping from day one. Our goal was to change the way that people think about accounting and we, we've done everything we could possibly do to make that happen. Yeah, that, you, I'm glad you brought that up. And that's, that's awesome. I, I thought that small business owners needed someone like you for quite some time. And um, I'm glad that you're filling the gap or helping mm -hmm. others the gap, quite frankly. Um, what's the biggest challenge you faced through all this, do you think? You know, the biggest challenge that we faced was that, you know, we thought that initially we thought, you know what, we, we can provide this service and 
and we're gonna we're gonna flat fee value based billing model. So we're gonna we're gonna up so that hey, we're gonna charge you X amount of dollars per week. It's gonna be reoccurring, and, and it's you know, and basically the only way it'll change if scope changes or the size of your company changes. You know, some some variables in there. Uh, the problem is we we always devalued our service. We always priced it too low. Mm-hmm. You know, we thought nobody would ever pay you know ten thousand dollars to have us with you know doing doing their stuff a year, and it's like. Well, we were closing like 80, 90% of our deals. We're like, oh, this is great. Problem is we we're closing 80, 90% of our deals. And so, you know, <laughs> you know we, we were undervalued completely. And so we had to continue increasing it. And, and each time we increased, we thought there is no way, again, someone's going to you know, do this. And it was, it was a constant no way, no way. Now, you know, our, our average fee you know, is close to $80,000 a year. And we still are closing, you know, about 40 to 50% of the, you know, the leads that come through. And uh, with that, the, the demand's there. I think we found a great sweet spot there. You know, the client, our typical client's about a million. Average client, starting at a million, average clients are out around 5 million. We've got some really large clients, but that's the exception. We've got a few small clients. That's also the exception. We found a great sweet spot that we, we really wanted to help those businesses really, you know, get to that next level. And so I'd say pricing was the biggest thing and undervaluing what we did. And once we figured that out, uh, things just ramped up. You know, it, it took us, you know, here we're a CPA firm. We're teaching people how to do this. And, you know, the cobbler's shoe type of analogy here, we, we, we were suffering from that same issue. We weren't super profitable at first. You know, we, it, it was 10 years of, man, tough. This is tough. You know, is this ever going to be successful? You know, it, was this a bad move? You know, did we screw up? You know, the new concept here, and uh, and then once we priced it right, then everything just started going, and we were able to afford great talent and, and great people, and really work at work, you know, work a lot, you know, work a lot better, and really make make things go well. Yeah, as you're probably aware, I mean, the, the accounting industry and the financial services industry are both commoditized, mm-hmm. and most CPAs uh, don't value their services. Uh, because they're doing the typical grind that anybody can do. They can go anywhere, any CPA firm and get. And so mm-hmm. it's just adding value um, to be able to do what you've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, your, your firm, uh, as I understand, your firm uh, was the first fully distributed accounting firm. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little more about that? And, and how do you know that that would be successful? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, so as we're as we're actually going through, and we're we, we actually had our truly very first virtual uh, client, which means that they weren't in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You know, it was one of those things. We actually got that client that was in Rhode Island. And it was like, wow, how are we going to service this client in Rhode Island? This was probably back in two thousand, uh, probably two thousand ten ish, somewhere in that ballpark. And uh, you know, with that, we're like, okay, how are we going to do this? You know, video was really choppy on the internet at that time it was like webex and they're really sketchy nothing like it is today and um you know so we we, we kind of figured out how to do it so we we worked with a combination of phone and through video conferencing we kind of figured it out well the kind of the cool thing about about the whole concept was is that the firm that we were working with was was one of the first 25 firms in the world to ever be fully remote being fully distributed they never ever had an office and they were a firm of about 60, 60 employees. They were a web design company that made web, web, web uh, websites for extremely large companies like the NBA, the you know, WWF, you know, or WWE, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so you, you'd know all their clients, you know, for sure. They're really any brand. And, and we kind of learned from them, you know, how to make this work. You know, hey, 
to, to be to be a, a fully remote company, you've got to have continuous meetings every every week. You've got to make it fun. You've got to have you know events outside of work where people can come to and gather. And there's a lot of great things and great tips that we learned over the couple of years before we actually decided to go remote. And then we decided to pull that trigger. It was like one of those deals that I thought, you know what, this could be a great opportunity uh, for us to have an opportunity to grow because we didn't, we, you know, you can only grow so much in a small city in Fort Wayne, Indiana, 300,000 people is not really a small city, but what, but what I mean by that is, you know, we went, we had aspirations of getting really big and it was like the only way we could do that is we coached all these great people from other accounting firms. We didn't want to do that. And, and so, uh, so it, it, we decided, Hey, let's, let's do this remote thing. I remember at the time we had 18 folks on the team. We had stand up meetings. We had an office that, you know, I actually owned the building and everything. And we're in these stand-up meetings where we start with a joke, you know, the other day, that's how we start every one of our meetings. And, and I got up, I was so nervous. I was like, Hey, I, I got this great idea, guys, we're going to go fully remote. And everybody was just kind of waiting there. It's like, okay, where's the punchline coming? <laughs> you know, what, what's he, what's he, what's he mean? And, and uh, you know, with that, it was like one after the other say, no, we can't do that. You know, their, their draws drop. You know, there's no way we can go remote, you know, because internet because how, you know all these different excuses that they made you know similar to the pandemic you know everybody nobody thought they could go remote until they actually had to go remote and then they figured out how, how to do it and, and that's exactly what happened so i thought you know what I, i'm not going to lose my entire team you know because nobody wanted to go remote my partner was like he was no way we're not going to do it and so um you know i decided well let's go ahead and build onto the building so i i took a building remodeled it spent about a hundred thousand dollars but tore out all the walls it took about six to eight weeks, you know, in construction, you know, construction, they say it's going to take four and it takes, you know, 12. The same thing happened with, 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 with that. And what happened was that I had to kick everybody out because the construction was so loud. They had to work from home for a short period of time. And with that, within the first six weeks, everybody's like, you know, we love this remote thing. You know, <laughs> do you mind if we work remote? And, and like, you know, after I'd spent like a hundred grand, I'm like, so I never actually got our in, interior signs up in our building. I, I got the out, outside sign. I never even put the interior. We never had a, a, a an open house or anything because nobody came back. Actually, there's about three people that said, "Hey, you know, hey, we can't do it. We live out in the country and have internet uh, that uh, was, you know, can, you know, work it that would work well." And so what happened was is that you know we 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 did that. So all these great offices with TVs and you know this really nice office space never got used. And uh, so I had to actually, I, I kept it for about a year before we, we fully went remote. I kept about you're thinking, oh, is this going to happen? Are they going to come back? Is this going to work? Because it's kind of like my safety net, right? And, um, you know, after that, I thought, you know what, let's go ahead and rent it out. We rented it out. And guess what? The, the people that rented it out was an IT company. They came in, they tore all the walls out again. <laughs> so, and they redid it again. So it was like the, the, what we actually created never, ever had a body put into it never was actually used. And, and uh, from there we decided, you know what, we're not looking back. And we started hiring people all across the country. And the, the, uh, the neat thing about it was when we, when we went remote, the, um, you know, we're like, how do you recruit people in California from Fort Wayne? How do you do that? You know, so we were super heavy on the internet. We did a lot of content marketing. If you typed in virtual CFL, we'd pop up anywhere in the nation. And because uh, we were one of the first, right, or, or if not the first. And so, you know, with that, how do you get those people? And, and it was just kind of uh, out of happenstance. Forbes wrote an article of uh, the top 125 virtual companies. And uh, this was back, I don't know, four or five, somewhere in there. And um, we were on it. We were on this list with with like Apple and Microsoft and all these different companies you heard of. It was like then it was like Summit CPA Group. I was like, well, how is that possible? And the funny part about it was as soon as that article hit, 
um, I, I remember being in a, in, a, um, in a meeting with one of our clients because at that point I actually did client service work. And uh, with that, we had, we had one of my team members on the, on the call and we're talking to the client. All of a sudden my inbox just, it was getting spammed. It was, I was getting a resume every about two seconds. No it, was, it just kept coming up and up. I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I turn it off? I couldn't figure out how to, it was so distracting. You know, the client's like, hey, do you need to take care of that? I'm like, I have no idea what's going on here. Just ignore it. And then afterwards, my the team member was on there. Do I have anything to worry about with my job? I'm like, no, I have no clue what's going on. And we found out that's what happened. Once that article hit, uh, tons of great people were uh, sending resumes in to, to, to fill, fill the positions. And so uh, from there, we, we actually said, you know, hey, let's figure this out. And we were getting tons of resumes, you know, people looking for remote work uh, that you would never think about it. Uh, great people, CPA firm owners partners and big firms, all these different great in people from industry, all these different folks are looking for their remote work. And uh, with that, we just had that opportunity. So we took advantage of it right away. And we just hired from there on out. And we grew that 18 person team uh, to about 75 people today. And so, and it continue, and we continue to grow. Yeah. I, I, my, my story isn't uh, quite as like yours, but um, you know, we, in, in my business uh, as a group, uh, had a lot of clients start to move to different states, Texas, mm -hmm. Florida, et cetera, right? And so I was kind of forced into uh, remote. Uh, and back then, we didn't have anything like you mentioned. I mean, I, I was using this mm -hmm. thing called Join.me that had, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> had no video, but I could mm -hmm. show my screen and we'd talk on the phone, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> and it progressed from there. But yeah, so interesting. That's very interesting. Um, Tell me, tell me, Jody, what is something that you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Wow. Something that I know now that I wish I knew when I started. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Thinking about that. Let me think through that here for a sec. The, uh, I, you know, I, I'd say a lot of it was, you know, when, when, um, when, we, when we looked at success, when, when I first started, you know, I, I even prior to that, you know, I, I worked in construction while I was in college and I sold knives when I was in college. I did everything just to kind of just to get through. It was one of those things that took me seven years to get get through college, both my wife and I, because we just work in multiple jobs and really kind of working through it with the end goal that we wanted to one day make one hundred thousand dollars. That was that was kind of like the goal. You know, hey, we we had this we had this tangible number that we thought, hey, this is it's going to solve all of our problems if we hit that number. Right. And so, so we had that in our mind. And, and uh, I remember being in a construction site one day where, where, you know, and I was, I was electrician, you know, work, you know, base working through college there. And, and I'm talking, you know, everybody's like, Hey, what do you want to do? Blah, blah, blah. I go, Hey, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I just got, I, I got laughed out. Everybody's like, Oh, there's no way you could ever make that. No, no, no possible way. You know? And they're, they're throwing all these examples. I was like, it, it just kind of set me back. It's like, wow, I, I can't believe no one, I can't believe everyone else didn't have aspirations like like what I had, you know, in, in making, you know, what I thought was something that could easily be attainable. Now, it wasn't easily attainable for sure. It was a lot of hard work to get there. But, you know, with that, you know, the, the, the thing that I, I did, I looked at that as as being success. Right. I thought, you know, hey, you know, that that would be success to me. And so once I got that, once I once once we went through that and worked hard and really kind of build the, the model and the virtual CFO and really working through, I got to that hundred that wasn't success anymore. Now success was, Hey, I want to make 200. And, 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 and then the number changed. And then it was like, I got to that. It was like, well, I want to make more. And you know, it, it, it just, it was an, it was an ever ending thing. It was a never ending thing. Success, you know, it, I define as a, a dollar amount 
you know, really truly wasn't success. You know, that, that the definition, you know, really wasn't it. Success I look at is just simply being an ongoing thing, trying to achieve success, trying to achieve the next level, trying to do better, trying to have, you know, you know, trying, you know, not, not to get, not to be hit my 35th wedding anniversary. No, I want to hit 50. Then when I hit 50, I want to hit 75. <laughs> you know, you know, the, so success is just that ongoing venture journey. And it's not really the destination, I guess is my point there. And I, I, I really looked at that completely wrong. Cause I thought, you know, Hey, once we, once we built this firm, if we can get to that million dollar mark, in revenue, top line revenue, we're going to be considered successful. I got there. It's like, well, that, that wasn't success. And then it was like 5 million. Then my, my partner's like, Hey, 5 million, all the world's problems are going to be solved. 5 million is like, <laughs> Nope. <laughs> all the world's problems are, you know, we had, we have new problems now. <laughs> and so, you know, just working through that obstacle and we got to the 10 million, we thought, Oh, this is great. And we thought, you know what, we're going to sell when we get to the 20 million. That, that was the, the key selling when we get to 20, we got to that 10 million. And we got somebody that said, you know, gave us a, an opportunity and a, you know, a, you know, basically, you know, an, an offer we couldn't refuse when we merged. And, and with that, it was like, wow, this is, so is this success? And it's like, no, they didn't look at that as success. They looked at it as a beginning when we merged. Hey, we want to build, take your practice and build to 50 million. So it's like, okay, that must be success. And so as we journey towards that, it's like, well, we're going to hit 50 million. It's, it might, we might not get it in three and a half, four years. We might get it in five years. We're going to hit there. And I know that once we get there, again, it's the journey. It's not the, the, the end. And I guess I took that completely wrong and really didn't understand that clearly until um, I was through the venture. And, and a lot of people get that confused. You know, hey, do I want to, you know, if, do I, is being a millionaire, is that successful? No, <laughs> that's just a, a destination, right? Yeah. And so success is that journey. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you 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 uh, uh, expounded on that because that was my next question. How you defined it? Oh, and and so uh, kudos to you. And I agree with you. Every time you hit, you know, a goal, I mean, it's the journey. Okay, yeah, it's the journey mm -hmm. because the destination always comes, and then what you do, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so thank you for sharing that. I think that's important for everyone to know and yeah. at least hear, right? Yeah, and, and, and Terry, I think I think if you if you add on to that, I think if you if you look at regrets, because regrets would be the opposite of success, right? And if you look mm -hmm. at regrets, I would say going through, you know, if, if I could do anything over again, you mentioned that question again, you know, there, there's really anything that I would do over again. And 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 the reason I say that is because I learned so much in all of the different mistakes that was made throughout that entire journey uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I don't know if I would be where I'm at today if I wouldn't have hit those. If, if, if I, you know, even, even going back from the fact that, you know, Hey, if my parents would have paid for all my college and I wouldn't have had to work hard to get through there. And I, you know, I might not be where I'm at today because of that, you know, you know, yeah, it was tough and it was hard. And it was one of those things. It's like, well, when you don't have food on, when you, you have nothing in the, in the, in the refrigerator at all and you're eating popcorn for dinner you know that's tough <laughs> you know we were there you know you know that that's the tough that's a tough thing you know and so but you know that that got us to where we're at and so there, there's every every one of those little bumps every one of those little miscues that we had along the way i, I really wouldn't trade it for anything I, and i think that's what really got us to where we're at today and, and then what's going to get us to that next level yeah it allowed you not to take things for granted 100 100 yeah it, it, it jody is there something that you share uh, with each and every client that you have. And can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, what 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 philosophy or concept um, do you feel uh, that's important, uh, so important uh, that you uh, share it 
with each and every new client and maybe reiterate oh, it as you go forward. Yeah. Yeah. So when we, when we started the, the CFO practice, it was one of those things that, what, what do you talk about? You know, cause we can't, cause we're meeting with clients on a weekly basis, or in some cases it's every other week. So we're meeting with them all the time. Do I, what do I just show up and start talking? You know, what, you know what's the, what's, what do I need to talk about? And so what we had to do is we had to come up with, Hey, you know, what, what what's a commonality amongst all these small businesses that could really help them out. And so we, we, we broke it out and we called it profit focused accounting. And what it, what it is, it's, it's centralized on four main concepts. You know, the, the concepts are metrics that you need to look at. One is cash metric. Then we have a production metric, a financial metric, and then a pipeline metric. And you really need all four of them to work in harmony in order to be a successful business owner. And so when we, when we actually talk about it, we focus initially on the cash concept and say, you know what, and we simplify it. We make it easy for for the small business owner to understand it. You know, I, I don't want to talk over somebody's head. I don't want to talk underneath. I'm going to talk with them and, and have a good conversation, something they can remember. And, and so with that, a lot of people ask, well, cash is the first one, right? How much cash do you need to make at all times? And so we tell clients, you need 10% of your revenue for a service-based business. 10% of the revenue, easily calculated. If I'm a million dollar company, $100,000, what does that equate to? Well, if you do the math, and I'm not going to go through the math, it equates to two months worth of expenses. And then I say, you know what, up to 30%. And so what does 30% mean? Well, 30% means six months of expenses. And so, you know, with that, again, something they can easily calculate in their head, you know, hey, I need between 100 to $300,000 in the bank as my safety cushion. Now, how much, you know, how do I determine that? But then I throw a bunch of factors up there. Well, if you've got a lot of reoccurring revenue, you need close to the 10%. If, you, if you're relying on one client, any close to 30%, you know, all these different factors to make it really easy for them to say, you know what, I think we need about 15%. And so that's the first, that's the first thing we look at. Hey, define your risk tolerance there and how much cash you need in the bank. Because when I, when I, when I give advice or when we get, when our CFOs give advice to clients, it really, the, the same, you know, the, the same, two, two different clients, the same question could be two different answers. And a lot of it's really based on how much cash they have available. So, you know, is that, you know, it, that business development person just show up and they're the best thing you've ever had, you know, the, the, the person you've been looking for for the longest time, if you got no cash in the bank, you, you can't take that risk. If you got, you know, 10 to 30%, then you can take the risk. And so that's, that, that, that's that, that big part there. So that, I would say cash is the number one thing. And then the second one, then of course you need to, you know, then the second one you need to have is really, you know, you, you need to find what drives your revenue. You know, what are the non-financial things that drive revenue? Because every one of our clients, we need to build that forecast, that 12-month look, minimum of 12 months. A lot of times it's three years and, and, and going forward. But it's always based on non-financial information, things that I can control. And, and what I mean by that, if I'm a trucking, let's say I'm a truck repair company. I use this analogy all the time because it's a client that I actually worked with for years. Um, you know, with that, when we, when we met within our, our meetings there, we're talking about how many trucks do you have in inventory, you know, because they're a truck repair company. How many trucks do you have in inventory? How many trucks did you put out the last, you know, the last month? It was five or 10. What was your average per truck? You know, so we had these things that variables they could control. What, how many trucks do you think you're going to push out this next month based on it? Um, you think you're about six or seven. And then we, we talked about that and boom, that then triggered our forecast and made, you know, adjusted our revenue numbers. And so now we have what we call dynamic forecasts. And so it's something that's going to be changing every single month based on what life actually happens. And so then we can flip it over and say, you know what, based on the, the net income right now, you're treading, you're going to, you're going to owe Uncle Sam at the end of the year, X amount of dollars. And we've got this amount set aside in our, in our, in our tax savings account there, you know, you know, for that. 
or, or it could be that, hey, we had a bad turn. Now the, you know, the, the, the tax is going to go down. We can actually pull some money back out of the tax reserve account and use it for, you know, fun, you know, basically, you know, operating cash. And it was just one of those dynamic conversations that we could have. And when we created this, you know, forecast based on non-financial indicators, the financial statement side of it, you know, just basically takes it once we build this really cool forecast and we're managing it, we want to compare it to what other folks in the industry are looking at. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to fool ourselves and, and, and have a uh, McDonald's restaurant and say, you know, we're going to have a 20% bottom line and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do all this great, you know, fantastic stuff. And then you look at McDonald's and it's like, well, their bottom line is only like 4% on average. It's like, well, we've got some corrections we need to do. We need to, need to change our cost of sales to make it more realistic to to what the industry is you know, holding and, and, that, and that sort of thing. So we're adjusting things based on the industry. Sometimes we're saying, you know what, we're going to do better than this industry. Sometimes we're going to do worse, but we actually look at it to make sure it's kind of one of those, you know, basically checks and balances for us. And then the, the fourth one there is the pipeline. And so for a lot of service-based companies, you know, they, um, they, they create this really great forecast. Like a lot of people call it budget, whatever you call it, are super dynamic, but you've got to actually sure up the next three months. And what I mean by that is, What's under contract? You know, what do you have under contract right now? And what do you have in the pipeline that has a likelihood of closing? And so that's going to allow you to adjust the next two or three months accordingly. So you don't want to forecast this big number here in the next three months. We have really nothing going on in the pipeline. <laughs> you know, that, exactly. that that's just that's suicide. You know, you don't you don't want that. And so you need to make make sure you adjust, you know, adjust your, your near term. And we always say the next two to three months based on what you currently have in that pipeline. And, and so a, as you see, when, we, when we're constantly talking about those four different levers all the time, the, the client's really getting a good grasp on how to really operate their business and what they should be looking for. Cash, you know, your production metrics, you know, financial statement comparing industry, and then also the pipeline to, to sure everything up. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, uh, that is good for everybody to know. That's excellent. Um, Jody, What's a mistake that many people make that's hard to undo as it relates to your business, your clients? Well, I'd say the biggest mistake really is it's hard to undo is, is getting in the habit of, of draining your bank account to zero in, 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 in cash. Um, you know, we, we see a lot of clients that think, you know, oh, I have to really, I have to get rid of all my cash in the year so I don't pay taxes. You know, that, to me, that's pretty silly. That's, that's the wrong way of looking at it. Uh, actually, taxes is one of your biggest KPIs. The more you pay in taxes, at the lowest amount you can pay. But the more you pay, the better, you're, the more successful you are because you're you're really building a company, building that cash. And so I would never look at it and say at the end of the year, "Hey, I've got to spend all this money down here so I don't have to pay tax," because that's really hurting yourself. And so I would say getting out of that mentality. The mentality should be, "Hey, here's what we need to build up in cash. We can pull everything else outside." over and above that outside and put it in my own pockets, but let's build Let's make sure the company is solid first uh, because it, it, it's, it's amazing, especially going through the pandemic, all the folks that had the, uh, the philosophy, Hey, let's burn our cash. We don't have anything. Well, what happened was they got in severe trouble. <laughs> you know, they, they, they got in a situation where, you know, then, then it's like, Oh, the economy, Oh, everything, everything happened to me. And it's like, no, no. And everything that happened to you, you caused it. You know, you didn't build your company. Um, to a, a position working with withhold some, if not all of that, and, and with a lot of our clients, the uh, the conversations, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, we've got over 100 clients, you know, that we're working with on a regular basis. We're meeting with them, modeling. When the pandemic hit, you know, for a lot of them, because they have an average of 15% of their revenue in the bank, 
on average with our client base. It wasn't, it wasn't emergency. It was like, okay, what happens here? What happens here? What do we need to do if this happens? So it was more scenario planning versus, you know, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Our biggest client left, you know, we have to lay people off. And then they, a lot of knee jerk reactions happen. When you have that cash in the bank, it really, you know, it really helps you make those solid decisions and really, yeah, it gives you that the, the chance to make those decisions, the time to think through it, not just simply the knee-jerk reaction. So I, I would say that's probably the, the number one, the number one thing. That's very good advice. Everybody should have that. Um, Jody, just uh, wondering, is there anything else you wish uh, to share that we didn't talk about yet? You know, I, I think the, the other thing, the, the, the one thing that um, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, and you know, you're struggling and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, just be persistent, stay persistent, stay focused. There's always, you know, always look for the, uh, the, the positive. And I guess I would say I'm a super opt, I'm an over optimistic person, super optimistic. Um, I, I don't ever see failure as happening. I just see it as a roadblock. And, and if you can see it the, in the same manner, Hey, how can we adjust all these different obstacles? How can we get over this hump? You know, what, what's the, what's the way that, you know, there's going to be, something around the corner and we need to really kind of build to that. So it's not, it's not one of those things where you're, you know, you're just, you know, you're, I can't think of the terminology for it, but where you're, you're, you're uh, naive, you know, you, you don't want to be naive about it, but you want to have a really focused thing, build some cash, work through, work through difficulties, make those little obstacles, you know, those big obstacles and the small obstacles because you've got the cash to go through it and, and just persevere through it and, and work through it and work and work and work. And I, and, um, you know, I, I would love to say that everybody's going to come out successful with that, but I think your chances are much greater if you've never, if you don't have that safety blanket, you know, Hey, you know, if, if it doesn't work, I'm going to do this. It's like, well, that's a great backup plan, but really kind of focus through it and, and work through the challenges and, and, um, make them an opportunities. Excellent. Excellent. Next to last question, Jody. Mm -hmm. um, at this point in your career, in your life, uh, what and with all of your success, what do you think is your biggest challenge? You know, I, I, the biggest challenge always lays ahead, right? And so I guess the biggest challenge for me is, you know, I've um, I've set I've set the uh, we we merged, like I said, in two thousand, well, about a year and a half ago. And uh, we got another three and a half years at that that five million or fifty million dollar mark, and so that's that's obviously a goal that I'm working working towards. Uh, once we hit that, once we hit that goal again, you know, what's the next the next thing? Because it's not that's not a success. That's just a, a leg in the journey. And uh, you know, the I guess at that point, do I want to continue on and go for that next that next goal? Maybe the next goal is 100 million dollars. Who knows what we set at that point? Um, do I want to? Um, do something completely different. Um, you know, all those things will have to determine at that point. And, and I, I, I think the, uh, the fear is, you know, hey, is my second half of my life going to be equal to my first half? And so, you know, you know, with that in mind, I'm always looking and saying, you know what, you know, my, my second half of my life is going to be even better than my first half. And I got to figure out how that's going to happen. Because the, the one thing I don't want to do, and I found out the hard way is I don't want to sit around and watch TV, read books, and just watch, you know, watch myself just kind of like shrivel up over time. I want to actually be doing something with my mind and really working towards it. And so, you know, whether that's continuing on, which there's a high likelihood that that, that will be the case, or if I decide to go a different venture, you know, I'm going to make it the, uh, the best that I can make it. And, and like I said, that second half of my life, I want it to be better than my first. 
Great, great. Jody, I'm really thrilled that you came on. I mean, this is uh, one of my best podcasts, I have to tell you. You've been excellent. Um, oh, thanks, Jerry. Kudos to you. <laughs> okay. Um, where can our audience uh, go learn more, uh, go to learn more about you? Yeah, feel free to, you know, you can, you can either, if you have a question or want to hop on, you know, drop me an email. That's fine. That's Jody, J-O-D-Y at summitcpa.net. That's .net, not .com. I didn't want to spend the money with .com way back when. <laughs> um, or, or, or just pop on our website, www.summitcpa.net. And uh, you can definitely find us there. I'm on LinkedIn. You can look us up there. I'm all, I'm all over the place. It, if you just Google my name, you'll, you'll see a lot of different things. Content marketing was a big driver for us from the very beginning. And we've got a lot of literature out there. Um, that you know, feel free to, to use and, and hopefully it helps uh, helps you or helps you make those uh, solid decisions. Jody, it's been great having you on the show. Um, uh, and our, I'm sure our audience is, is going to love it as well or, or is loving it. Um, so, uh, you know, come back next week, folks. Better business, better life, building on your success. Jody, thanks for being here. Uh, it's a great show. Thank you, Terry. This has been the Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success podcast. If you have questions about creating tax-free wealth and income, forward-looking tax mitigation, strategic risk mitigation, wealth preservation and legacy planning, and advanced financial management, go to DuponAdvisory.com or email Terry at DuponAdvisory.com. 49 faces look to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com.